The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. This, as always, is your host, Matt Collins, and I am joined, again, as always, by Brian Joyner. Brian, what's going on? How are you tonight? I am wonderful. Uh, Since we have last recorded, the Red Sox have won a baseball game, so... They've played a baseball game. They hadn't even played a baseball game at that point. I don't care that... Exactly one. Right. I'm just counting the one that they won. I don't, I, um, hopefully it'll be two by the time people hear this, but if not, it's not my fault. Yeah, we should, we should probably mention that off the top. We are recording this, uh, pretty much right before first pitch of Tuesday's game. So, uh, there will be no mention of Tuesday's game unless something crazy happens in the first couple of innings while we're recording, but, uh, hopefully nothing crazy happens in the first couple of innings. Um, but yeah, so this will be basically, all based on the first four games of the season. But before we get to anything to do with the games, we have some uniform talk. The Red Sox and Nike dropped the first edition of what is called the City Connect uniforms, which is something Nike is doing with uh, every team across the league. Um, Red Sox got theirs first, and... People had some opinions about these uniforms. Believe it or not, the internet had opinions. Uh, So the uniforms, if you haven't seen them, are based on the Boston Marathon colors. They are yellow and blue. Um, They're going to be worn not on Patriots Day because the Red Sox already have Patriots Day uniforms, but they will be worn uh, Saturday and Sunday of Patriots Day weekend. Um, You can go on overthemonster.com if you want to see them because podcasting it's not a visual medium so i can't show them to you but uh yeah brian uh what are your yay or nay on the uniforms just i guess right off the start huge yay i i i'm looking at them right now they look great um i know i as a twitter user um i'm aware the reaction was mixed but a every sports league and to an almost equal extent team is perpetually looking to expand their roster of alternate jerseys strictly for sales purposes and b 
given, I mean, I think part of the shock of this is that they're blue and yellow, which are the marathon colors, um, but they're obviously quite dissimilar from the Red Sox colors, which made some people up, upset or surprised. However, um, and I know that Brett Cowett, uh, occasionally of this site and generally a Red Sox fan uh, of note on Twitter, saying, you know, should UCLA sue them? Um, one thing I have to say about UCLA's un uniforms is that they rule. Um, th this color scheme is awesome. The reason behind it is straightforward and great. Um, and they're going to wear them for two friggin' days. So I don't yeah, know I why that's people would be upset thing. about it. Yeah, it's two days. It's like two if they're days. wearing these in August, I really, I can, I still don't think I would be upset because I don't really care that much about uniforms. But, um, I mean, the fact that they are marathon based and they're wearing the marathon weekend, I mean, I feel like that just makes sense. These are not just like random uniforms. This is not like the NFL color rush where you just wear them on a random Thursday and it's just like blinding to everybody. Or, um, oh, hold on, hold on. Hold on. The Patriots color rush jerseys were so good. They made them the regular jerseys and they should have because it was the best jerseys they've ever had. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you what anybody's color rush jerseys look like. I just know that people complain about them on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't even know what color the it, Patriots are. It's true. It's and in fact, blue. the Patriots are the exception to the rule. However, their color rush jerseys became their normal jerseys this year. But um, this was a good decision because they're great. But here's the thing with the Red Sox jerseys is that this is not going to, people might not like to hear this, but the Red Sox jerseys are not the Yankees jerseys. If the Yankees jerseys come out with a, they couldn't come out with orange and blue because that's what I was going to say because those are New York City colors, but they wouldn't do it because that's the Mets colors. But if the Yankees came out with these exact same jerseys, frankly, for the exact same reason, if the New York City Marathon had a color scheme, I would understand far more than Red Sox fans complaining about this, but especially after the 2013 marathon, I saw a Washington post reporter talking smack about this as if this was some, like some historical, like, Oh, you're messing with some of the most iconic uniforms in the game. Get over it. They wear camouflage and nobody says a thing. Cause everyone's like, <laughs> Yeah, of course we celebrate the military. This is the same shit. And the, the difference between this and the camouflage uniforms is these uniforms fucking bang. They're yeah, great. They the numbers on the back, especially, I think are my favorite part. Um, I think it's the did... font on the front. Like the, the font is just incredible. It's, I saw don't... a lot of people complaining about the font. I don't really have a strong opinion on it. Um, it's different. I know. It's different. It's like the Red Sox don't get different fonts. Um, it's the finish line font, which I did not know. Um, but that is why they made that that font. That is the uh, lettering they use on the finish line. But you brought up um, you brought up UCLA, which was obviously my first reaction to those hats. I think that's everybody's first reaction to the hat. Um, that's probably my least favorite part of the uniform, and that's only because of the UCLA thing. I think those are pretty sick hats. Um, I would buy one if they weren't probably going to be out of my price range for a hat. Um, 
but I do think UCLA right off the bat. But um, somebody, uh, Matthew Rich on Twitter, who is a lawyer, his uh, profile is to be believed. Uh, but apparently, I did not know this, but um, apparently MLB, you mentioned uh, UCLA suing the Red Sox. Apparently MLB sued UCLA uh, and made them change their B because it was similar to the Red Sox, uh, which is something that I did not know. I also did not fact check, so I'm just assuming that this lawyer is telling me the truth. Um, you know, yeah, so uh, apparently have, the, Red, the Red Sox already got to them. Or I, have a, I have a friend who's a lawyer who is from New York and is one of his great joys in life is telling me about the different bees that New Era uses for the Brooklyn Dodgers hats and the uh, Red Sox hats and how the Brooklyn Dodgers B was actually different from the Red Sox B, but New Era eventually decided to just consolidate it. And the Brooklyn Dodgers, there's a there's a cutout in the middle carrot, I don't know how to say it better, uh, of the B, but otherwise the B is identical to the Red Sox, and that has not always been the case. Um, so it's all interesting to me. But the, the thing about the, the UCLA thing, and I need to say, is that people might be shocked by this, but um, I, for a long time, bought a lot of hats and was very interested in hats and the different... I am very interested in hats. I have okay, 30 hats okay. right next to me. Right, okay. But so you must know that the league published uh, allows licensed caps that are not the colors of the team. I have seen, and this is one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen in my life. And I saw this in Brooklyn, is in New York, so it was for sale. In it was a Yankees hat. It was, but it was in the A's colors. It was at a lid store. <laughs> Because it's just like, oh, here's a cool dip. Here's a cool variation. I think they the did a whole set. series of those. Um, right. Like so mashup is, type things. Right. And that is the worst thing because the ace colors kick so much ass. But yes. this, but th so this is why this doesn't like bother me in any way. Oh, it's UCLA. It's worth No, it's great colors. Just It doesn't bother me. It just, it takes me a second uh, looking at them. My eyes are just adjusted for that color combination in the B to mean UCLA. Uh, but I, like I said, I think those hats actually look very good. Um, it just throws me off for a second is my only complaint. I mean, um, I, I also just noticed right now that they have yellow cleats with them too, which actually look pretty nice. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely 100% on board with these uniforms. Again, if they were to start breaking these out like all the time, I think I might get a little annoyed by it. Um, but I mean, if this is just like a marathon weekend thing, just do it every year. As far as they're at, I was going to say, they're absolutely going to do it every year. Cause this gear is so fly. I'm looking at the whole lineup. Now the pullover is amazing. The dugout jacket is amazing. Uh, uh this is just going to be a new thing. The connect hat is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I am, I understand why people had a knee-jerk reaction to it, but the whole um, counter-argument to that is it's two days. You, 
you'll survive. It's too. I easy. think a lot of people, especially not Red Sox people and not Boston people, uh, didn't realize the marathon connection. And I, if you don't know that it was a marathon thing, I totally get being like taken aback and not really getting it. Um, but I mean, I think as soon as you make that connection, it has to be. You gotta just like chill out a little bit, basically. I think that's mostly my advice for any day on Twitter.com is just chill out a little bit, but here especially. Um, and also the whole thing that it's like they're only doing it to sell like new uniforms or whatever, like that's not an insightful point. That's everybody knows that. That's of all the things that I'm mad about with like greed and baseball or whatever. Um, in sports in general, like selling uniforms is one of them. Somebody wants to shell out a hundred dollars for a jersey. That's that's not that's not like a bad thing. Whatever. Like let no, them sell all, all these jerseys. All I care about is are they good? And they are very good. Yeah, exactly. If these were ugly, then yeah, I would be pretty upset that they were just doing it to sell them. But they did they did a good job. That's it's okay to say that. We're allowed to come with the Red Sox every once in a while here. Uh, you think you're gonna buy one? I mean, I'm definitely not gonna buy one because I don't buy jerseys, but um, I do think they look good. If I had a job, <laughs> I would consider buying something from the collection. Absolutely. Um, I I don't generally buy jerseys anymore. It would definitely be the hat. Um, and my wife went to UCLA too, so she would. Uh, oh, there you go. She would appreciate that, but she would be like, "That's just a UCLA." I don't care what you tell me. That's just a UCLA hat. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I'll buy one. I actually don't really buy sports hats that much either, um, which is kind of a weird thing, but actually the pull, the pullovers, the pr pullover is pretty sweet. It's I actually didn't see the pullover. The pullover would actually be something I probably would consider buying until I looked at the price tag, which I'm sure is it's not something I'm just, yeah, I'm not really interested in paying that and my birthday just passed, so I can't play that card. Yeah, it did. Um, anyways, so that's enough, uh, that's enough uniform talk, but. I'm sure it'll come back up uh, Patriots Day, which is only a couple weeks away. So um, we'll be having this conversation again, I am sure. If not here, then somewhere on the internet. Uh, but anyway, so let's get into uh, some player stuff. Uh, first, some news. Uh, Alex Cora uh, confirmed Tuesday in his pregame press conference that Eduardo Rodriguez is indeed going to be ready to come back. Uh, he will be making the start on Thursday in Baltimore for that series opener. Uh, Rodriguez, as I'm sure you know, if you're listening to this, uh, missed the start of the season because of some dead arm issues. Um, they had said that the expectation was was that he'd be back within a week or so. Uh, but obviously, those things don't always go according to plan. So there's a little bit of holding our breath until we waited for the confirmation, but we did get that. So he will be on the mound on Thursday. What do you think they're going to do workload wise? with him? Are they going to set him out there, go looking for six innings right away? You think they're going to kind of ease him into this a little bit? No, this seems to me like the, I mean, it seems to me like the four to six innings start uh, six innings at best. Four, I wouldn't say four innings at worst. It can always be worse than that. Um, but I feel like if he went like four and two thirds, that would be not like alarming. That would just be, okay, you, you're, you're working back up. Anything less than four would 
indicate that he's having a bad day or that he's yeah, not all the way back. Um, so, but I wouldn't, uh, if he pitched six innings, I'd be over the moon, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm looking at, I could see six innings if he was just like shoving. Um, I think he's probably, I think probably, I probably should have phrased that a little bit better. Um, pitch count is probably the better way to look at it um, because obviously there's a four or five, a five inning start can be many, many different things. Um, As Nick Pavetta showed us on yes. Sunday. <laughs> that is true. Hey, shut five, uh, it's Monday. Uh, five shutout innings. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I would say probably like 80 to 85 pitches is my expectation, um, which I think is basically what they're doing with everybody for their first start. I mean, Nate Evaldi, I don't remember exactly how many pitches he threw, but he's definitely under 90, um, and he was looking extremely good. So um, yeah, I definitely don't think we're going to see Rodriguez go 100 pitches, but I don't think... That even necessarily has any anything to do with where he's at so much as the Red Sox, understandably so, and probably correctly are easing their very, frankly, brittle rotation into the season and trying to get as much as they can out of them. Um, you know, you say, you say that, and we're going to get to this, but before tonight's game, sorry, last night's game, listeners, Outside of Garrett Richards, the brittle rotation has been pretty good. Um, so well, brittle doesn't mean bad. That's um, true. I mean, I've always been the native Aldi guy, so I mean, I was not super surprised. You, you did you much. did you did you say he was going to win the Cy Young last year? That is true. You did come out with that take. Okay, I so forgot I, about I, that take. Yeah, so I'm you are be- all right. You're the you're the native Aldi guy. Actually, at baseball, furry is the native Evaldi guy, but I'll be number two. Okay, he knows. Um, all right, so Rodriguez was, I think, the best part of spring training right up until his last start when the dead arm popped up. Um, I was, I was a little weary of what he was going to do, um, and then those spring starts where he looked. Like he, it was 2019 all over again. I was all in on Rodriguez. Um, I don't know where you were at after the starts. Were you with me, close to me, not really affected? Well, I'd always like to be closer than that. But um, <laughs> I am not – I, I think that this spring just um, – underline that he he's very talented he's he's a very good he's a good pitcher uh so i don't the dead arm thing doesn't pull me back from that i I am confident that if he is healthy which is as loaded a phrase as you can get that he will be good i have no doubt at all about his um ability to be good uh, in good circumstances, it's just hard to imagine that that's going to um, develop anytime soon, but it could. I mean, he could just, he could get over the dead arm. He could go out there. And, um, I don't think he's going to go out there and and pitch to a five ERA because I feel like 
if he was doing that, that's an indication he's hurt. That's not always the case with someone. If Eovaldi went out there in a five year had a five ERA, I wouldn't say that meant necessarily he was hurt, just getting knocked around. But with Erod, I would say so. Um, so that's the way I look at it. Yeah, so I, I had been concerned a little bit that Rodriguez would kind of go back to his pre-2019 frustrating self where he, I mean, he was never bad. Eduardo Rodriguez was never bad, but he was worse than he should have been. Um, I mean, I feel like I wrote the exact same column about him at least once a month with him just kind of getting ahead and then nibbling and falling behind um, and not really being aggressive. I was a little concerned he might be that guy again after the layoff and after um, whatever toll last year took on him. But the spring brought me back from that. Um, and the dead arm thing doesn't really concern me. Um, I am still concerned about his ability to hold up through the season, um, just fatigue wise after the myocarditis. Um, but I don't think the dead arm, I, I think saying that the dead arm is a symptom of that would be, leaping to some pretty wild conclusions. Um, a lot of pitchers get dead arm at the end of spring training. That's just a thing that happens. So, um, and I, I agree with you. I think, I don't think there's any way the Red Sox would bring him back if he wasn't looking at least very close to the way he looked in those first few spring starts. Um, just everything about what they're doing this year and what they've done for, frankly, a long time now um, is just they're overly cautious coming out of spring training. Um, I don't think they would rush him back just for the sake of rushing him back. So I'm assuming he looked very good um, in his bullpen the other day. Okay, so I can't believe what I'm looking at here. I pulled him up on baseball reference. In 2019, when he had a 3.81 ERA and 3.86 FIP per fan graphs, he had the most walks in the American League was 75 a lot he was he so he was pretty bad early in that season um but to I mean, he's lead always had the a lot league yeah but to lead the league when your era is under four is cr- and he finished sixth in the Cy Young voting that's yes. crazy well he threw a lot of innings too i mean and he made i mean he made 34 yeah, he starts he was 200 innings which i mean yeah. that just doesn't really happen this year so i mean that's that's a lot of it. I mean, he was at 3.3 walks per nine, which is basically just, I mean, that's him. Um, I mean, just by the numbers, he looks the same as he, or he looks the same that year. And he, as he did pretty much every other season of his career, but just, I mean, watching him, he looked so much more confident and he was so much better over the last like four months of that season. Um, well, and you, and you say that and like growth that you talk about that, like looking at growth, if you take out his, first year which it was 121 innings that's a lot since 2016 his era plus has gone up every year now i don't know if it'll go up this year but if it stayed at 128 that'd be fine he'll get a lot of money in the offseason well hopefully he'll get a lot of money in the offseason who knows what's gonna happen in this winter but um yeah i mean i have he'll get a lot of money you don't want him to be on the red sox anymore I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a comment on that. Lachaim, lachaim. <laughs> All right, yeah. So that's uh, that's Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, and that is basically 
the news uh, from the last couple of days. Uh, but so I want to spend the rest of this podcast um, making some or looking at some first impressions. Uh, this is like the worst, one of the worst times of year because it's like it's been four games so you can't really say anything but also we have to talk about stuff so uh, we're going to talk about some four game sample sizes here um some good some bad we're going to start with some bad um i think Raphael devers was the story of the sweep against the orioles um and he only played in two of those games does not speak well of what he did uh, but he does not have a hit yet this season through the first four games. Um, hopefully he'll have a hit by the time you're listening to this. Uh, he played very, very bad defense. So let's start with the offense. I'm sure I know your answer to this, but just to get it out of the way, are you worried about the fact that he is over on the season? I'm not sure you know my answer because I'm a, I'm just a tad worried. I'm not worried in the long term that he's not going to be able to hit. That is not, that is not something I'm worried about, but he's still very young. And I just don't know. I mean, look, I listen to the games a lot and, uh, Will Fleming said, and I think this is right, that Devers is a guy who can go oh for whatever, and then hit a home run and then immediately, snap into a, a hitting streak it, it just it's as quick as 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 one at bat but i do worry that the flailing could continue um longer than we're comfortable with um but i am i am in no way worried in the long term what about you i'm not worried at all um, so I think there is a conversation to be had about the way Devers starts seasons. Um, but this is his MO. I mean, everybody remembers how bad Andrew Benintendi was last year, right? Before he got hurt. Um, over that same stretch, Devers was worse than Benintendi. Um, and he has been bad for the first, at least the first couple weeks, sometimes as long as a month. Um, in all of, I mean, he's only had three seasons where he started in the majors but he's been bad in all of them and that's happening again this year and this is just kind of what happened so i think they do if we're looking at this in terms of like his future um he's too good for that to be something that happens every year and maybe they need to figure something out with his off-season program or whatever he does at spring training uh to stop this from happening but in terms of 2021 um, I think what you were saying, what Fleming was saying, um, is just spot on. He just needs to get a few hits, um, string some stuff together, and get confident. Um, but he's, I mean, he's going to hit this year. He's going to, last year, after the first couple of weeks, he hit like he did in 2019, basically down to the exact same WRC+. Plus. I think he was off by like three points. Um after the first two weeks of that season. And I mean, that's just who I think Devers is. So I, I think it's frustrating that he gets off to these starts, but I just, I feel like this is just what he is at the plate and um, he'll, he'll be okay. Yeah, um, that's, that, that's fair. That's fair. I, I'm not, I, I would never argue with you about Rafael Devers. He's your boy. <laughs> he, he is my boy. I do. I do love him a lot. 
the defense, though, I think the defense is a much more valid conversation. Um, he made some pretty key errors over the weekend in Baltimore. Um, he has made a couple of nice plays, but he's just, it's the same mental mistakes where he just seems to make the wrong decision. And then he seems to kind of get it in his own head that he needs to turn it around. And then he just starts to try and do too much. And then, I mean, it all just kind of snowballs. Where are you on in the Rafael Devers defense conversation? I know this is kind of, this is the question I gave for the round table this week too. So a little preview. Um, there. Thank you for reminding me about the round table. I'll, re- <laughs> I'll remember on Friday morning at 859. Um, I, I want to, combine this with the Bobby Dalbeck item um, that yeah. we have further down, because I think this is a real potential action item, especially with the way Bobby Dalbeck played first base when he actually got to play. Um, you know, Bobby Dalbeck is a third baseman by trade. And I think that, look, when Devers got called up, it was a sort of a shock. Um, because it was a big shock. It was a, it was a huge shock because they needed a third baseman and it just didn't seem, he didn't seem ready to anyone except for Dave Dombrowski. And that was a great call on his part. However, he might, that might, it's possible to likely that Devers is no shade a natural first baseman DH. And yeah, the Red Sox might have a log jam there in a couple years. Um, But right now, it seems to me, just looking at it from an umbrella view, that there might be a value in sort of just swapping the Dahlbeck endeavors defensive roles. Now that would mean Dahlbeck would have to play, which he hasn't done in the last uh, couple days. Um, and to answer the question um, that you had here, am I surprised? Yes and no. I, I... Well, hold on. Let's, let's do the Dahlbeck thing after this. Okay. But he, he kind of can't do one without doing the other, but. Um... Well, let me just, let me just say this first about. Um... Go for it swapping Devers and Dalbeck because I don't think that is ridiculous, but I also feel like that's something I don't think that's something you can do in the middle of the season. And I definitely don't think you can do that a week into the season. Um, I know. No, no, no. I think you can do it in the middle of the season. I don't think you can do it a week into the season. That's my, that's the difference I'm saying. Well, I guess my concern, one thing is that Dalbeck's defense at third was kind of, trending in the wrong direction as he's moving up the ladder. Um, I mean, he's a big dude. It's hard to it's hard to play great defense over there when you're his size. I do think he'd probably be better than Devers, um, which that alone is probably worth mentioning. Um, I, actually, I would actually be more concerned about Devers at first base um, because Devers' defense is not anything physical. Devers has the tools to be a good third baseman. I don't think he has the tools to be like Nolan Arenado, obviously, uh, but I think he has the physical abilities to play third base, and it's really just been the mental side and just not making the right decisions. Um, I don't know why that wouldn't 
be the case over at first base either. And you just what? catch the ball. That's why it's different. I don't think just catch it. Just catch I don't. It. I, I think first base is more difficult and more important than one of my biggest. Then third base. Opinions. One wow. of my biggest baseball opinions is that first base defense is wildly underrated. It is so it can be such a huge advantage to have somebody who can make the right plays over there. Um, I mean, footwork is extremely important, and that's something that you kind of always need to be thinking about. And I don't know that Devers, especially on the fly, is going to be able to do that. And those that can lead to a lot of mistakes, especially with an infield defense that frankly isn't that great. Um, even if you're moving Dalbeck over, you still have a Dalbeck. Uh, Bogart's left side, I would prefer to have a stronger first baseman over there. Um, so I think if we're moving Devers off third base, it kind of has to be a DH. And then in that case, I think you have to wait until the end of the year. And I really, I, I that had been my position anyways, um, is that I was willing to give Devers this season to kind of see what happens. And I mean, I'm definitely not changing my mind on that on April 6th. Um, but yeah, I just if this is still the conversation we're having about Devers, even in a few months um, at third base, I don't, I just don't see that conversation being any different at first base. I totally agree with you. I, I think that uh, uh, the timing sort of doesn't even matter to me because I'm writing off this season um, in terms of World Series winning um, from the get go. So it does, it kind of doesn't matter to me whether they decide to I mean that's fair enough it now or the end of the year and and I I everything you said makes total sense um I uh it's 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 sort of uh to me it sort of is just uh hinges on what they want to do with JD Martinez well that's because, the big puzzle piece here, right, for sure right because if you're just going to make Devers DH, which I think he would be amazing at, obviously, because he's... I mean, he can hit. The dude can hit. And I think that that's... Look, this is Chaim Bloom we're talking about. Um, I can see where things are headed. And it would seem to me... I mean, look, I wouldn't even put it... I would not put it against uh, any odds that next year the third baseman was look maybe not next year but whenever they move on from jd that the third baseman is someone who is not dahlbeck or devers or even tristan casas who is our you know who's basically a first baseman at this point anyway um that they went in a totally different direction um i think that might be i think it would be more likely that that would happen the dahlbeck would be the third baseman to be honest i don't disagree with you but um We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I I don't. This is just a year of figuring shit out. So let's figure shit out. I agree. I think that's I think that's fair. And I think, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where we have to talk about it because it's April sixth, and it's only so much to talk about. But at the same time, it's April sixth, and I mean, twenty nineteen was the year that Devers looked like a really good defensive third baseman, um, but that was also only for like five months the first month of the year he was terrible defensively then too so um it's not at all out of their own possibility that he will get better defensively as the year goes on 
Um, there's just something about him early in the year. He needs to get into it. Maybe he doesn't like the cold weather. I'm with you there, Rafi. I also don't like the cold weather. Um, but I'm not. You live in it Maine. I, it was not my. It was not my smartest decision to move. To move north. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to. Uh, let's just go to Bobby Dalbeck now, since we've already talked about him. Um, and like you said, he's been benched for a couple of days. He didn't play on Monday. He is not playing on Tuesday as we are speaking right now, at least not starting. Um, so yeah, you you started to answer this. So you, were you surprised? I'm not particularly surprised because I feel like this is just um, sort of veteran pecking order thing. I mean, as you've mentioned several times, it's April 6th. Um, and he's really young. Now, Christian Arroyo batting leadoff tonight. Well, Bobby Dahlbeck sits. Christian Arroyo, is... by the way, as we're speaking, uh, Christian Arroyo led off with a double and uh, eventually scored. So <laughs> there is that. And then you're just, you're just, just undercutting me right there. <laughs> but I, uh, and I sort of knew that was going to happen when I saw that lineup. <laughs> but no, I, I'm not surprised at all, just because it seems to me that that is literally, I mean, almost uh 75% chance that that's just politicking more than anything. Um, I don't think to answer the question you have on the agenda that you haven't asked me yet. I don't think we've overestimated the amount uh, that he's going to play first base. I think that this is just easing into the season and that he is going to be a, a major force there. It's because as we've talked about in other contexts, uh, as recently as like 180 seconds ago, <laughs> they're not going to win the World Series this year. They're they're figuring things out. So I think he's going to play a, a lot. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think there's probably some confidence uh, being taken into account here. Um, the Red Sox are facing Tyler Glass now tonight. And Dalbeck did not look great in the first series. Uh, he kind of was slowing down and uh, swinging and missing a lot at the end of spring training. Um, so I think it makes sense to... They probably had that day off on Monday scheduled, and then just with the way he's looking, in the fact that Tyler Glass now, who strikes out 12 guys in his sleep, um, it's probably not the worst idea to... Give him the another day, avoid another three strikeout game, um, and then let him go back out on Wednesday against Ryan Yarbrough, who I like Yar Ryan Yarbrough a lot, but he is a lefty who does not touch 90 miles an hour. Um, so probably a little better for these guys that can't really make contact. So um, I was If Tyler Glasnow but... was really that good, he wouldn't have let Christian Arroyo score. First, that is first that is not that is not an unfair point that's not an unfair point um all right let's go to uh let's go to somebody who plays who has been playing extremely well through four games that would be jd martinez uh by far the best player uh through the first four games for the red sox surprised no um i mean i'm happy i'm very happy because um, it's something to be happy about, but he is, uh, 
it, the second question you have is, are, are my expectations changed from the start of the year? Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, but the fact has been from no matter what I thought of uh, Martinez's uh, performance last year, the fact is he's baseline one of the 15 best hitters in the in the game at worst um, when he's right. And he's right now. And he's one of the best 15 hitters in the game. So I'm not, I'm happy, but I'm not like, I'm not shocked or surprised if this is what J.D. Martinez has done most of his career. As you pointed out to me, he had 45 home runs in 119 <laughs> games. That's crazy. Yeah, that is, uh, that is crazy. I think I'm pretty much exactly in line with you um i was expecting him to bounce back this year um i wasn't really reading too too much into 2020 but i mean there was definitely like a kernel in the back of my brain that was kind of concerned i mean he's getting old some of his swings last year were ugly especially against fastballs which is not what you want to see but by a guy getting into his mid-30s um struggling against heat um, so while I was expecting that bounce back, there was that little kernel that was like, eh, maybe it is done. So seeing him just jump out of the gate, buck wild like this has made that little kernel uh, disappear. So I think my expectations are generally the same, which is that he's going to be not 2018 again, where he was like the best hitter in the world, but 2019, where he was, like you said, a top 15 ish guy in the game. Um, I can totally see that again. And as many people have brought up, and I don't think it's worth really getting into right now because it is April 6th, but um, if the Red Sox are in sell mode, um, he is a guy that they could look to move, uh, which I wouldn't be thrilled about, but it wouldn't also wouldn't be surprising at all. But again, well, and that would, that, would clar- that would clarify the DH. Uh, it would. I mean, it would upset me mostly just because J.D. Martinez kicks ass. Um, well, I mean, I, lo- I I love him. It it seems unlikely that JD Martinez will do anything more important for the Red Sox than he did in 2018. But that Absolutely. is true of a huge number of players. Basically, who everybody are on that team aren't on the team, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a loaded statement, um, but you know. As long as we have him, I'm going to enjoy it. He's not someone who is, if he's good, I'm like, we have to trade him. No, 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 no. Yeah. I want to watch. I want him to hit for us. And if they trade him, I won't like it. I'll understand I'll it. I'll understand it, yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, he's not like, and I mean, everybody knows I love Matt Barnes, but he's not Matt Barnes or Adam Montevino where it's like, yeah, these guys are basically um, here to be traded. Um, I don't really have the They're same not audition- feeling with he's not. He's not auditioning. Like he, yes, he might. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. All right. Let's go. Uh, let's go back to the bad. Um, and the bad was very bad with Garrett Richards, um, a smart podcast host, would have pulled up his line from the start. But I do not. I did not do that. Um, but just know that Garrett Richards was very, very bad in his first start. Obviously, it was only one outing, but he was he was terrible. So I'll ask the same question that we just talked about with J.D. Martinez. Have your expectations changed with Garrett Richards? No. How about yours? 
I'm a little bit more nervous. Um, I was not. I was nervous about Richards coming into the year. I had him as my disappointment in our superlatives thing. Um, and the next question I had on here is any way you see him in the bullpen. So one of my takes that I had brewing in my mind before the season that I never got around to because it just felt overly pessimistic without a whole lot to back it up. Uh, was that Richards was going to end up in the bullpen because I don't know that he can start anymore. And I'm not ready to say that's definitely going to happen after one start, obviously. But he is a guy not, that relies that on two pitches. Asks. What is my question asked? Any way you see him. Uh, I forgot that, I forgot the space. Uh, that is true. Uh, but yeah, Richards is a guy that I mean, he pitched out of the bullpen last year. Um, later in the year and he's a two-pitch pitcher a lot of the time and that can work if your stuff is nasty but his stuff isn't consistently nasty anymore i don't know i just this time of year is just all about confirmation bias and as the season kept getting closer my fear of richards was getting greater um, and so this is just confirmation bias getting in the way. I don't, I'm not ready to say anything definitive about him, but I was concerned. And when you're concerned about somebody and then they go and lay an egg, especially against the Orioles, um, it doesn't make you feel any better. I mean, you, but to answer the question, you wrote any way you see him in the bullpen later this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which gets into the next guy we're going to talk about, which is Tanner Houck. But they don't owe Garrett Richards anything. Um, For sure. Except, so I. If so, if let me phrase become, it like this: it, How bad? How long would he have to be bad? Not bad like Sunday, but like a five ERA. Um, before you move in, before you could see them moving him into the bullpen. Honestly, I don't think it matters what his ERA is. I think it matters how healthy the other pitchers are. That's a fair. Uh, that's I, very fair. That's a valid point. I, I think that if every if the if the if the main dudes were healthy and Tanner Houck was available, I can see it happening. If not, then I they have no reason not to just send him out there to get his ass kicked every fifth day and just you know or or do a Garrett Richards and again it's been one start. It's been one start, but uh, to go out there and like you'll have the 10 strikeout to walk game or you'll have the six runs two innings game um, and just do that till the end of the season because it's he doesn't matter. He sort of doesn't he sort of doesn't matter um, if he's bad. He doesn't matter. So. Um, is there any way I can see him the bullpen? Absolutely. Absolutely. I could see that happening. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's go Let's go to Tanner Houck. Um, so Houck is the... I mean, he's the guy that... He, he's going down when Rodriguez comes up on Thursday. Um, we may see him for a bullpen appearance over these next couple of days. Um, I don't know how particularly how likely that is, but Cora did mention that he's available there. Um, but... So I had put this, I actually put some of these questions together before the Rodriguez news came out, which I am just realizing now. Um, so I asked 
if you think he's going to stay there, we obviously know that he's not going to stay in the rotation. Um, so what is the earliest, assuming no injuries open up a spot, what is the earliest you can see him coming back up uh, to get in that rotation without it being a six-man rotation? I will not deign to answer a question that assumes no injuries. And I, I, I don't, I, I honestly don't mean this in a snarky way. I think. No, that, I mean, it's fair. I think that somebody had tweeted some snarky shit about the Red Sox and talking about when they Is thought Tanner Houck would be in the rotation. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And, uh, and they said by late July. And I was like, what about mid-May? I think mid-May, there's a good chance Tanner Houck's in the rotation. Especially, and look. Small sample size, confirmation bias. He's looked great. I mean, but the thing is, we say sample size, confirmation bias, but the dude looks good pitching in Major League Baseball. And, like, they're operating with the same set of data that we have that, like, oh, that guy can pitch in Major League Baseball and he's in our organization. Um, so I think that he's going to be up sooner rather than later. Um, the only reason I don't consider a six-man rotation is I don't think all six people are going to be healthy. I just don't. That seems to be a... I think a six-man rotation is a pipe dream more than it is like a safety valve, honestly. I don't I don't think I agree just because I think they have guys that you can put in a six-man rotation even if there are a couple well, yeah, They have guys they could put in a six-man rotation. Well, the reason you would go with the six-man rotation is if they have a stretch, say, where they, and they have one of these coming up where they have, like, two and a half weeks without an off day or something like that. I don't know the exact number. But, they but, have a, but oh. what is the advantage of a six-man rotation versus a five-man rotation with a bullpen day? You don't kill your bullpen and then have the next day your starter either gets hurt in the first thing or gets does a Garrett Richards and gets pulled with if no outs in the same, third. If it's the same idiots the whole time, like one of the pitchers is going to get annihilated after two innings anyway. I just, I, to me, I don't see like a huge, uh, to me, it seems like semantics, but I understand that it might, well, I think be they have more complicated. I mean, I ha- they have guys that I – like, Matt Andreese has looked pretty terrible um, in his couple of appearances this year, but I think he's a guy that you can be comfortable as a sixth starter. I think Tanner Howe can be that guy. Um, I think Connor Siebold can be that guy in a couple of months. I think Garrett Whitlock, who we're going to talk about in a second, can be that guy in a couple of months. Um, just they last year they obviously had a ton of bullpen games, but that's because they had, like, Zach Godley as their number three starter. Um, and so while I think the – a lot of people are a little over the top with how much better the pitching depth is this year. And like, they're talking of like, they're like the Braves or the athletics or whatever team you want to point out to that always has this pitching depth, the Rays. But um, I mean, it is better. They have guys that can, I think they have the arms. I think they have like eight guys that you could see in a six man rotation. Eventually, maybe not right away. Siebold and Whitlock probably aren't there right away, but by the middle of the season, I, I just, to me, that what that sounds is that, uh, like, uh, um, not con- doesn't sound like a confident um, appraisal of the people who would be in the six man rotation. Well, the six man, I guess the six. I should clarify a six man rotation to me 
um, wouldn't be like you're going six man for the entire season, but it would be instead no, 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 of, no, of like having stretches, Darwin's and Hernandez right? throw two innings and then Josh Taylor throwing two innings and then just killing your bullpen uh, for a game and hoping for the best. Um, I would rather have, yeah, stretches where you have two turns where one of these guys could go out there and give you five innings. And so you can sort of play it like a normal game. Um, no, but I, I like the Dar- but I like the Darwin's and Hernandez thing. You said, I want that. <laughs> better than bring him in with the uh, bases loaded like they did yesterday and he you can't bring in Darwin's and hernandez with a bases loaded they sure did i mean the... it was that's exactly what happened twice all right uh last guy is uh garrett whitlock who man if there's one person who has changed my opinion on them since the start of spring training uh garrett whitlock is the top at the top of that list he this guy can throw, man. He is impressive. Um, he's only made one appearance in the regular season, but he came in after uh, Garrett Richards imploded, and then Josh Taylor imploded right after that. And then Whitlock came in and settled things down through two and a third, uh, scoreless. Looked really good. Looked really good all spring. Um, I'm generally skeptical of anybody that's picked in the Rule 5 draft because generally there's a reason that happened but man this guy looks legit um so either i mean right now he's sort of in a mop-up role but either he's got to either move up into high lever situations or into the rotation picture um what do you think this isn't the question i put on here so i guess you can look at both of those and or tell me which one you think is more likely i mean People are all over Garrett Whitlock, and he's been great. This is how I felt about Bobby Pointer, who is no Garrett Whitlock. Which Bobby is Pointer crazy... was ne- never looked this good. Bobby Pointer is no Garrett Whitlock is an incredible sentence to say. Um, Stuff-wise. I, I, don't, I don't think that Garrett Whitlock is going to end up in the rotation. Um, I think we're, um, I think we're riding a high right now. But I do think he'll get high leverage situations. I mean, I there's also the fact that he, like if, if the dude can pitch, he's can pitch. Like the 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 thing that I don't want to overlook, and we talk about the early in the season, and like how it's going. This it is happening. It is happening right now, and he is good right now. Um, so they would do well to put him in positions for him and the team to succeed. I think the rotation is just uh, a bridge too far for me. And if he did, I would be so happy to be wrong. Um, But I do get the sense that he is going to be a major part of the bullpen until he proves he can't be. And then just to go a step beyond, I do get the sense that these pitchers who to the outside uh, are sort of anonymous these middle relievers they there's every reason to think that these guys the ones who end up succeeding the ones who end up getting uh figuring it out uh there's every reason to think that they wouldn't have it together at the beginning this is a fringe you know a fringe role he's aiming for 
to begin with. And uh, if it was um, harder, more people wouldn't be able to do it. And if it was easier, more people would do it. And you're sort of aiming at a small target, but he seems to have hit that small target pretty, uh, pretty hard right now from what I see. Yeah, so I think I think high leverage is probably more likely, um, largely because the Red Sox don't have a lot of those options. So they have Barnes and Ottavino, and they really don't have anybody that they really feel like they can trust uh, after those two guys. I think Salamora has looked uh, pretty impressive, so maybe he can get there. But I think the Brazier issues um, delaying his season – are probably more important than any of us gave it credit for. Um, he probably would be the clear number three in the bullpen. So I think that's there's just a that's just the path of least resistance for Whitlock. But I I mean the plan for Whitlock, he's a starting pitching prospect. Um, he's come up as a starting pitcher. Presumably the plan. You is say for that, but he's a he's a rule five pick. So I well, mean, he, like. So, but he is such a unique case because he's coming off Tommy John and the Yankees. Nobody can be through. such a unique case, Matt. Unique means one of a kind. Sorry, I got sorry, sorry. <laughs> you, you I, got, I got grammar. Be, I got grammar. You do call me on that. Sorry, you call sorry. me that. You call me on that like once a week. Um, but anyways, I mean, he is just—he's coming off Tommy John. The Yankees thought they could sneak him through, um, and I mean, he wouldn't be the first starting pitcher to be taken in a Rule 5 draft with an eye on keeping him in the bullpen for one year and then developing him as a starter down the road. Um, but I Is think... what happened to Johan Santana? I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm yeah. honestly asking. He I, yeah, that, it, it may have, I would assume that he did not start the year in that rotation, uh, but I could be wrong about that. He's got to be the best Rule 5 pick ever, right? Uh, just think sorry, so. that's just um, aside. Michael Brantley, I believe, is another one, but Brantley is not as good as no, Johan is better than that. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, sorry, sorry. But no, yeah, but I mean, I was just, I think the workload probably points to him not being in the rotation just because he is coming off Tommy John, and they probably don't want him throwing more than eighty to a hundred innings this year. Um, but man, I mean, he's exciting, and it's cool to have a guy that we can even ask these questions about because uh, while I do like Jonathan Arauz. Um, he was not quite as exciting of a Rule 5 pick. He was basically, thank God we have 30 roster spots and we can kind of just hide him for a couple of months and then get him in the minors where he belongs. I mean, after the third game on RedSox.com, the only thing you'd see was like, and this is a game Garrett Richards started. It was like, Garrett Whitlock, baby! It's like this, <laughs> and and with good reason. I mean, he's... Yeah, it's he, exciting. Sometimes yeah. you need to be excited about some things. Yeah. All right, uh, so let's do – there's only a couple of listener questions, and then uh, we will get out of here. Uh, so the first one is from the old ham and the bee. I have no idea what that is. Uh, without being too predictive, is there anything we can tell based on the Orioles series about this team? Well, it's it's a pun on old man in the sea. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes, that they're not going to win the World Series. That's it. That's all. That's the only thing you can tell. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that was pretty much what I was going to say. That um, I think they are obviously not that bad, uh, but they have the potential to be that bad at times. Which uh, that was a harsh reminder. 
All right, this one seems specifically for you. Last thing we will talk about. Uh, Cody Hudman wants to know what is with Alex Cora's batting orders. Uh, Kike batting leadoff. He says he's always loved Cora, but this has always made me crazy. Did the same with 2018. Goodman not great. Moreland in the three-hole a good chunk of the year. Um, yeah, so this is your chance, Brian. I mean, this seems very clearly to be um, managing players, uh, literally managing the players you have. Like, Kike is a veteran. Um, I'm not, uh, hold on. I'm not defending Cora and I'm not assailing Cora. I'm just sort of explaining what I think is going on here. That there's only so many veterans on this team, there's only so many spaces in the batting order kike might not have the best obp but he's if you want to put xander in the cleanup spot endeavors in the fifth spot which you might not but verdugo at two and jd martinez at three and look all of those are you can agree or disagree with those but they seem pretty standard there's not much to take issue with and somebody has to bet hit first and it's either, do you want it to be Marwin Gonzalez? Do you want it to be Kike Hernandez? And he just, uh, you know, give me Kike. I, I have no problem with it because I don't, unless you want to shift everything up and make Verdugo. Well, that, I think that's the most obvious. Yeah, but I, and sure, that, that could happen. I just don't care that much. I mean, it's a matter of like, do you want the middle two through uh, six or two through five to be the strong part? Or do you want it to be the one through five, one through four? I, 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 I just don't care that much. It, it seems, it seems to me to be um, something that could be incredibly frustrating, but is also sort of a sunk cost. He's got a bat somewhere and the reds again, they're not going to win the World Series. <laughs> and it's so like I... literally, but he's literally your job as a manager. You have to manage players. I get what I may not agree with it, but I get why it's happening. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think lineup order is probably something that is discussed way too much um, relative to the impact it actually ends up having on the game um, because. I mean, it just doesn't really matter that much unless you're batting like your best hitters eight and nine in the lineup or something just insanely stupid. It's only going to, I mean, it only comes out to like a win or two difference over the course of a season. It just doesn't really matter. Um, that said, I do not really agree with it. I mean, you, my, my general philosophy with the batting order is um, I want my four best hitters in the four top four spots. Um, and with the Red Sox, I would want Verdugo, Martinez, Bogarts, Devers, not necessarily in that order, but in some order. In those top four spots, I like the idea of being able to give yourself the best possible chance of just demoralizing a pitcher, just four batters into the game. Um, but like I said, it really doesn't make that big of a difference. Um, so I it, am it, not a fan, uh, all, but it is what it is. All I care about is that the... And this is um, all I care about is that the uh, our good hitters are batting consecutively. So if Kike start if Kike hits before 
the four hitters who are the best hitters that it it's not ideal but it doesn't bother me yeah it's not it's not the end of the world all right i think the i think that was good i think that was it uh so i hope you agree and if you did i hope you uh subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts if you're not already subscribed uh i hope you leave us a nice review and i hope you give us a five-star rating i hope you recommend us to your friends um and you can also follow us on the old twitter machine uh, i run the over the monster account at over the monster brian is at brian joiner brian with a y joiner with an i and you can see all of our writing at overthemonster.com and we will be back with you next week bye